soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast in me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken, forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me, all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Please be seated. This morning I have chosen a very simple title for my message this morning. When life gives you lemons. There's a proverb out there that says when life's, life gives you lemon, you make lemonade. This is a good advice if you can practice it. But when in reality, life starts throwing lemons at you. Lemonade is the last thing that will come to your mind. Someone recently told me in my office, Doc, if, I were, if it weren't for the bad lucks that I have, I would have had no luck at all. Life brings bitter experiences, sour and painful experiences. They come in different shapes and sizes. And they have the potential to throw us into the deep dungeon of depression. What is depression? It is not just being sad. It is a persistent sadness that affects most, if not all, aspects of our life. Our sleeping, our eating, our working, our socializing, our enjoying life. And for the people of God, praying and worshipping God. Depression is one of the most common mental diseases in this country. It could be so severe as to interfere with one's daily activities. And the cause for depression may be multiple, so, mul so various. Some of them are very dramatic events of life and some not so dramatic, some so subtle that creeps into your life slowly. Trauma. Physical, mental or emotional trauma. I don't really have the time to go into the details of all these things. But you are people of God and who, who, who will connect to what I am trying to say. Rejection one of, by one of the people you cared most to be cared for. Betrayal or denial by your close friend. Failures could be in career, education, financial matters, romance or family life. Separation and losses of loved ones. Either through their moving away or by their dying. Loneliness. 
do you know that loneliness is a major problem in this country in the crowded cities of new york chicago and los angeles loneliness and sense of not having a friend for you and sin may be the cause for your depression it's a result of a sin that you committed or a sinful life you led the guilt the remorse and the vengeance you feel to want to destroy yourself punish yourself and calamities of life unexpected events disasters sickness accidents shattered dreams i narrated a few but that list is very partial and you and i know that lemons come to all of us and we have all been recipients of lemons in life and we react to lemons differently life events we react to differently the scripture gives us many examples of people who really struggle when things happen in their life it's quite it's quite astonishing how some of the bible saints some of the giants in the bible really endured what we might call today as depression job suffered terrible depression when going through calamity after calamity read chapter 3 of job you will see the depth of depression this man of god has gone through he starts that chapter by cursing the day he was born and then he goes on and on and in job 30 verse 16 he says and my heart is broken and my and depression haunts my days moses is described as the meekest man in scriptures he was the greatest of all old testament saints that we know of but when the people of israel grumbled and rebelled he threw the towel and complained to god oh god why have you afflicted me i am not able to bear these people they are too heavy for me king david he was in real despair and depression when one day he lost everything that he had including his wives his children and even his friends in 1 samuel first samuel 30 we read about this in verse 6 we read that david was in great distress because his men his friends were talking about stoning him to death each one was bitter in spirit but david strengthened himself he could not he looked around and saw nobody to help him he strengthened himself in god elijah the great prophet of the lord wanted to just die because he had an acute nervous breakdown as we we might see it today in 1 kings 194 we read that he went to a desert under a broom tree and prayed listen he prayed that he might just die is there anyone here today who can identify the situation of elijah who is praying that your days are so painful that you wish it ended john the baptist in the prison he ran into depression because what happened to him was totally opposite against what he really expected what about our lord jesus himself 
in the garden of gethsemane he was in agony god the father laid this the sin of the whole world upon him he was seeking actually support from his dear disciples but his disciples could not do that the lord was greatly anguished and depressed on the cross the agony of mankind sin on him made him cry out to god the father eloi eloi lama shabaktani my god my god why have you forsaken me if anybody knew the pain of separation my jesus knew that the scripture tells us that the lord experienced every aspect of human life good and bad with the sole exception of sinfulness we need to realize that many heroes of faith in our modern world also battle with mental health problems including depression now the preacher of preachers charles spurgeon was one who had battled with depression my dear fellow brothers are you going through a period of depression now in life i want to acknowledge that depression is real have you ever thought of giving your life up have you ever thought that death could have been better than living the way you are living today the devil wants you to give up he wants you to kick the bucket and end it his way he wants you to be another judas iscariot but this morning i want to bring you a message of hope hallelujah doesn't matter what you are going through the bible has an answer for your problem psalm 42 is a psalm written in severe mental agony and despair the pain of depression is real let me take it the agony of despair is genuine in verse 3 he says read verse 3 my tears have been my meal day and night what a graphic description of one's pain my tears have been my meal this is a song of agony verse psalm 42 the psalmist remembers the times when he felt god so close to him he knew his god well in verse 4 he says when there's He remembers his happier days when he could go to the temple full of joy now with tears of desolation depression often leads to a sense of loneliness but for the psalmist he all of a sudden feels the extreme not just loneliness alone even the absence of god verse 9 and 10 He says the people around him are mocking him where is your god he looks around and asks himself where in my life is god where indeed is god where are you god why are you forgetting me have you felt this way you look for god and you don't find him you sought his counsel he is not answering you 
even god has forsaken you you know depression obscures obscures the reality and the goodness of god it clouds up it fogs up the reality about god mental illness just like physical illness is real it is not something that happens to some people because they are weak and prone for that and vulnerable for that and not for some people because they are strong and immune that's a myth when depression happens the devil can attack your faith and your trust in god it has the potential to make you focus on the problem and not on the problem solver the divine provider you could be distracted from looking and you will keep looking at the problem the birds of discouragement will be flying all around us but be careful not to allow them to make nests in our head it's okay to see what the problem is look back and see what happened to you but don't dwell on your problem find out what you have done our way where you have gone wrong but the more you focus on your problem the bigger they look focus on god like david before goliath there was a giant before him there was a giant before david he never looked at him he knew it was there but he focused on god he didn't listen to his loud shouts but he listened to his promises the promises of god i am with you i will never leave you or forsake you i am your god you are my child and that is exactly what is written for us when the giants come to destroy us situations in life come to overcome us and sweep us away remember god is with us amen hallelujah hallelujah in verse in psalm 42 the psalmist is doing something remarkable in verse 5 and in 11 you know what he is doing he is starting to talk to himself why are you downcast he starts preaching to himself put your hope in god he says to himself for i will yet praise him my savior and my god in verse 9 he addresses his complaints to the lord as god my rock we realize that god is not anywhere to be seen but he is calling god my rock a statement of faith when there is nothing that he can see about this god it's an act of faith even in the face of la- deep lack of faith let me put it that way lord i believe lord help my unbelief you know, a lot of times when things happen in life 
our faith can be affected it can be affected that's exactly what the devil wants trust in god there is a god who wants to change your life hallelujah glory is to god depression is like a form of blindness a fog that obscures the reality in particular it obscures the reality about the goodness of god in the deep dungeon of depression the devil clouds our vision about god his love his care his provision and his promises and his plans for our lives the devil can come so close to us and whisper into our ears things of death he could whisper death into our ears you know in psalm 88 psalm 88 you know it it portrays the experience of someone in deep pit of depression the opening statement of that psalm is this way oh lord the god who saves me that is how that psalm opens up in fact that is the only positive statement that is written in that psalm you know how it ends as the psalm progresses the psalmist is in, is running a commentary of his dark life and a lonely experience of pain hurt loneliness depression fears and rejection and in 18 verse 18 he says you have taken my companions you know he is telling god you have taken my companions and loud ones from me the darkness the darkness is my closest friend not just darkness the darkness you know what is the darkness the carrier of darkness the personification of darkness the person of darkness satan himself when you are going through depression the darkness becomes your closest friend he will whisper in your ears things of unfaith things of death things to give up kick the bucket enough is enough hallelujah we deep in depression we tend to accuse our god we look we look forward to our friends we see no one we see no one the church of jesus christ is meant to be around people going through situations in life we need to have people who care for us we need to have people who love us Apostle Paul had an experience of pain and depression a time when he was downcast in 2 Corinthians 7:6 he says about it when we came to macedonia this body of ours had no rest when we were but we were harassed at every turn conflicts on the outside fears within but god listen to this god who comforts comforts the downcast 
Paul was downcast. Paul was depressed. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Just a simple passing statement but a lovely description of the presence of God, the act of God. He's never too busy to help us. Paul was downcast, but God sent Titus. The man of God brought comfort to this, his fiery experiences. What a beautiful statement. This is in fact a reference to the primary purpose of church. The church of Jesus Christ. At the very inception of New Testament church, it is said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 2.42 Have you ever stopped to think, what is fellowship? Is it just saying, hi, bye, how are you? It's okay to do that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You should at least do that. But that is not fellowshipping. Fellowshipping is more than that. It is sharing the burden. It is telling someone that you care. It is intimacy. It is showing that you understand. It is sometimes just being there. The Greek word for Christian fellowship is coming from the word koinonia. It means just participation. An intimate form of sharing nothing left out. You know, in fact, the social events of selling and sharing that happened in the first century church, it actually is taking this feeling into the extreme. The church has a major role to play when its members are in deep fit. One of the most dreadful events that happened to the life of Paul is recorded in Acts 14, verses 19 and through 20. In Lystra, Apostle Paul was stoned, persecuted. He was practically dead, and they dragged him out of the city, thinking that he's dead. So they were actually disposing his body off. Then the disciples came, and you know what they did? They made a circle around him. And it says that he got up and went back to the city and continued to preach. When the disciples made a circle around him and stood around him. When the disciples made a circle around this fallen man of God. He got strength and was revived. Brothers and sisters, the enemy has downed our people. In different fronts. It's so easy to criticize them and stab them from our own end also. Don't do that. They have been stoned. They have been hurt. They have been wounded and bleeding and they're dying. The devil is trying to take the last breath out of them. Let us not join the enemy in this. In his purpose. Make a circle. Make a circle. Make a circle. Be people of comfort and support for those who are down. When Job was going through 
afflictions. His friends came and sat around him. Job 2, 11 through 13. They came to sympathize with him, comfort him. It is written that they wept with him, tore their robes, sprinkled dust on them, sat in the ground for seven days and nights. No one said a word. For seven days in a row, sometimes our mere presence is all that matters that will make a difference. In fact, in Job's experience, it would have been better if his friends came, sat for seven days and left. The moment they opened their mouth, that's when things started going the other way. Let us show our fellowship when our people are down. When they are wounded, when, they, when we know they are dying. And I'm not talking about physical death only. I'm talking about emotional and spiritual death. Some of us are wounded. Some of us are bleeding. Some of you who hear me need the support and prayer of this church. We need people who understand. We need people who hold hands and make a circle around us. We need people who have genuine compassion. We need people who show humility towards us. You don't have to be a fixer. You can be just a friend. Now we live in a fixed culture and assume that we can and we must fit all our problems. As a physician, I feel I groan a lot of times in my room in, with a patient as to how to tell them that there is no quick fix or even any fix for their problem. We as a society feel that we have a right to healing for all our ills and we have the means to attain that healing. But sometimes there are no fix at all for our problems. Some of our problems have no fix in this earthly life. We are limited. We are flawed. We are confined. And we are finite. Of course, our God is never limited. Don't get me wrong. Our God is never limited. And he is a God who heals and he has compassion. He comforts the downcast. He can do anything that he wishes to do. Sometimes God chose, chooses not to heal. It is true of physical healing and it's also sometimes true of mental healing. One thing we must understand that there are mysteries to do with pain and suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. Very familiar verse, describes about an event in Paul's life. Paul asks to remove an affliction from him in verse 8. Ask God, he prays three times. I find it very strange. Staggering, quite staggering as to why God did not answer his prayer. In all of scriptures after my Lord Jesus Christ, I am filled with awe about this man, Paul. He was no ordinary person. Hallelujah. His spiritual experiences were far superior to anyone else I can think of. Few of, us, few of us 
can even remotely understand the depth of his Damascus experience at the time of his conversion, the Damascus road experience. Then the then the power with which he ministered for the Lord, standing and witnessing before the authorities and the kings without shame, doubt or fear, performing wonders and miracles in the name of the Lord. Even when trans, even transported to the third heaven, resurrected the dead, being persecuted for the cause of the gospel, in the most extreme ways imaginable. If someone had the right to healing, this man had the right to healing. But God comes to Paul and reveals Himself by saying that. He is not going to take that infirmity away. This particular pain will not be relieved in his lifetime. You must realize that there are God's purposes at work in our pains, in our illness, and in our dark days, in our weaknesses, in our depressions. In God's plan, whether it is physical or mental, pain is not an end in itself. It is a means of him achieving great purposes in our life. To teach us our, who our God is. To make us trusting him. To make us humble. Like Paul was saying. That I may become humble. Paul is reminded, Paul is reminded that his problem will keep him humble. Maybe some of us need that dose of humility. So God in his love refuses to give us what we ask for. So that his glory can be revealed in and through us. Our pains refine us. They make us pure. Our, our pains give us newer perspective of God. It will teach us about a God who wants to shower his grace upon us. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul testifies in verse 10 that when he is weak in himself, he experiences the strength of God. The power of God is rewarding and liberating. The world has many strong men and many self-sufficient women. But God is looking for people through whom he wants to show that we are never created to be strong without him. There is a God who knows you are what you are going through. Take a look, a closer and a longer look at this God. Tell yourself that you are loved by this God. The one who is in you, the one who is in you is greater than, one, than the one who is in the world. You are in the plan and the purpose of God. This eternal living God, you are no loser. You are a victor. Don't give up. The God who gives up, the God who gives us great hope, a hope beyond reason is standing next to us. Gives yourself into his eternal arms. He will fulfill his purpose in you. God bless you.